Due to the sensitive nature of today's episode, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes mentions of suicide. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. The Marquis de Saint-Denis ambled alone down a 19th-century Parisian street. He couldn't remember how he'd gotten here, but he didn't think too hard about it either. He was snapped out of his reverie when Saint-Denis heard a scream in the distance. He sped up to a jog, hurrying toward the sound. As he rounded the corner, he saw two masked men holding a woman captive, about to rob her. Saint-Denis sprinted toward the scuffle, but he wasn't sure what he'd do when he got there. He didn't have any weapons on hand. He was helpless. Wistfully, he thought of the sword that hung above his fireplace at home. If only he'd brought it with him. Just as the thought crossed his mind, the heavy saber dropped into his hand, like magic. Saint-Denis turned toward the attackers. He was ready for battle. But before he could strike a blow, the truth dawned on him. This was just a dream. And now he was in control. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our single episode on lucid dreams, in which you realize you're dreaming while you're asleep and can take control of the nighttime narrative. Stories of lucid dreams fascinated people for millennia. But until the last few decades, scientific research was surprisingly scarce. Today, we'll discuss the various people who studied lucid dreams from the Age of Enlightenment to today. Then, we'll explore questions about how they work, the ways people can trigger them, and the possibility a nightmare could harm you in real life. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. 
The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. As long as human beings have been self-aware, we've had dreams. Many cultures believe our slumbering visions hold religious significance, or they're a way for the living to speak to the dead. In ancient Egypt, political and military leaders turned to figures in their dreams for advice. At least, according to legend. Some historians doubted anyone could have rational, grounded thoughts while they sleep. And there's no way to prove these nocturnal conversations happened. All the evidence we have comes from the dreamers themselves. This ambiguity hints at the mystery surrounding dreaming and sleep in general. Everyone dreams and everyone sleeps, but for much of history, we didn't know much about how either process worked. This changed during the Enlightenment, when researchers began scientifically examining sleep for the first time. But these studies were limited in scope. Of course, anyone can watch someone sleep and then ask them about their dreams once they awoke. But the scientific method is based on repetition. It's about gathering an abundance of data from as many sources as possible, then seeing what patterns emerge. It's nearly impossible to replicate dreams because no one experiences them the same way. And without modern tools like MRIs and EKGs, all the researchers' work was based on anecdotes. So many dismissed the study of sleep as pseudoscience. That is, until someone came up with a new way of gathering data. Jean-Marie Léon de Hervé de Saint-Denis, or just Saint-Denis, had always been interested in dreams. As a teenager, he kept a running journal of his sleeping visions. As an adult, he discovered only a few studies had been published on the ways people think when they're asleep. And that research directly contradicted his own experiences. Many of those studies drew on the findings of researcher Alfred Murray. In the mid-1800s, he had a drawn-out, extended dream that ended with his decapitation. When he awoke, he found his headboard had fallen on him. Maury concluded the whole dream must have been invented in those last moments of sleep. As the headboard came crashing down, his mind invented an entire lengthy story to explain the sudden pressure and pain on his neck. From there, the Frenchman suggested all dreams unfold entirely in the moment before waking up. Even if the narrative feels lengthy, it's just because you're too caught up in it to notice only seconds have passed. But Saint-Denis wasn't convinced. Some nights he had multiple dreams, and he didn't believe he'd invented them all in a matter of moments. So the young aristocrat launched his own study into the science of sleep. And like his contemporaries, he used his own first-hand experiences as data. One night, Saint-Denis dreamed he challenged someone to a duel. During the clash, his opponent stabbed Saint-Denis in his right arm. Then he woke up. When he looked at the spot where he'd been stabbed, the Marquis saw a mosquito bite. 
Initially, this seemed to support Maury's conclusions. His mind had concocted an elaborate backstory in the space of an instant to justify this minor sting. But the incident sent Saint-Denis' speculations down a different path. He agreed an outside stimulus, the mosquito bite, had influenced his dream. And he suspected he could find other ways to control the nightly narratives consciously. One evening, while he was awake, Saint-Denis attended a ball where he requested a few specific waltzes from the band. Each time a new song came on, he danced with a different woman. Then, a few months later, Saint-Denis arranged for those songs to be played randomly throughout the night while he slept. He went to bed and closed his eyes, and each time a song came on, he dreamt of the same woman he danced with all those weeks earlier. These findings may not surprise anyone whose alarm ringtone has ever made its way into their dreams. But at the time, Saint-Denis' findings were groundbreaking. However, this discovery wasn't the one that made Saint-Denis legendary. Nowadays, he's best known for his other talent, lucid dreaming. As we mentioned before, Saint-Denis kept a dream journal. In it, he wrote detailed entries about what had happened when he'd closed his eyes the night prior. One evening, after 200 consecutive days of diary entries, Saint-Denis dreamt he was actually writing in his dream journal. He was dreaming about dreaming. In theory, he should have been able to go one step further. He should have realized he was asleep. But when Saint-Denis woke up, he was frustrated he hadn't made that connection. The Marquis didn't know what would have happened if he'd realized he was dreaming while inside the dream. He hypothesized it would have unlocked limitless possibilities. Perhaps he could have seized control of his unconscious mind. So this became his new goal. Night after night, Saint-Denis strived to realize what was going on during his slumbers. And at some point, he achieved his objective. He had a lucid dream. Then he had another, and yet another. Before long, he was lucid dreaming every night. This allowed him to perform new experiments no other sleep researcher had ever attempted. For example, he wanted to know whether every nightly thought was a reproduction of something the person had experienced in their waking life, or if it was possible to invent a wholly new scenario. So he tried to do something he'd never done before. Die. A few nights after setting this goal, Saint-Denis dreamed of climbing a bell tower. Once he was high above the street, he jumped. The next thing Saint-Denis knew, he was standing in the street, looking at the body of a man who'd fallen from the cathedral tower. His other attempts to die in dream also failed. When he tried to retrieve a gun to shoot himself, he became distracted while looking for the keys to his armory. He jumped from an imaginary cliff, only to find himself riding in a hot air balloon. He threw himself down a well, only to find himself safe and sound, but saddened by the memory of a friend who'd fallen down a well. Ultimately, Saint-Denis concluded, even though dreams felt bizarre and unfamiliar, they actually pulled directly from our experiences and memories. 
He published his findings in 1867. Almost immediately, his book, Dreams and the Way to Direct Them, was a success, especially because he included a guide so curious readers could control their own dreams. The public adored Saint-Denis' writing, but scientists seemed less impressed. By and large, the establishment didn't take dream research seriously. It was regarded as a fringe field, parapsychology. This was due to the key problem we mentioned earlier. All of Saint-Denis' data was self-reported. Anyone could claim they'd had a lucid dream, but they couldn't prove they were telling the truth. So researchers weren't sure if Saint-Denis was lying or if other people would be able to replicate his results in a lab setting. Nobody would find a way around that problem for 100 years. But finally, in the mid-20th century, a researcher made a discovery that reshaped our understanding of lucid dreaming and everything we know about sleep. Coming up, researchers unlock the power of dreams. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. On behalf of ParCast, I'd like to thank you for your continued support. Your loyalty has allowed us to keep expanding even beyond podcasts. That's why I'm so thrilled to share some special news with you all, something we've never done before and made possible only because of you. On July 12th, we're releasing our first book titled Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. And you can pre-order it today at parcast.com cults. Those of you who've been with ParCast since the beginning know that it's a labor of love for us to bring you these powerful stories. As long as you keep listening, we keep creating. So with the benefit of years of research and insights, we've put together a comprehensive narrative that tries to make sense of mysterious groups such as Nexium, Heaven's Gate, the Manson family, and more, exposing how shared beliefs can have deadly results and taking you deeper into the dark side of human nature than ever before. You won't want to miss this book. Visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order your copy of Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. That's parcast.com slash cults. Thank you again for listening. We can't wait for you to dive in. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. Dreams have always captivated the popular imagination. But for centuries, researchers refused to study them in a methodical way. Finally, during the 20th century, scientists made some breakthroughs about the biological side of sleep. In 1951, a graduate student at the University of Chicago noticed his son's eyes darting rapidly while he rested. At first, the student thought his son was waking up, But in reality, he was in the deepest part of his slumber. He discovered rapid eye movement, REM sleep, 
We've discussed REM on this show before, but as a reminder, it refers to a process in which a person's eyes dart back and forth. Their brain function is nearly identical to when they're awake. Their heart rate increases, their breathing becomes erratic, and their blood pressure might rise, and their dreams become way more vivid. In various sleep studies, subjects were awakened and asked about their dreams during non-REM sleep, but only 7% could remember them. When these subjects were awakened during REM sleep, the numbers shot up to 80%. These findings suggested another startling reality about dreaming. It happens in phases. People cycle through periods of deeper and shallower sleep and their brain functions differently at various stages. This was the first time researchers realized there were different steps in the resting process. These discoveries energized the scientific community. They began exploring other facets of slumber. And for the first time in over a century, researchers built upon Saint-Denis studies on lucid dreaming. In the late 1970s, English graduate student Keith Hearn used new technologies to determine which sleep cycle corresponded to lucid dreams. He believed they happened during REM sleep, but he needed evidence to prove his hypothesis. Some scientists believed rapid eye movements corresponded to where someone was looking in their dream. So if your sleeping self is gazing upward at a plane, your real eyes will turn upward too. These movements are typically involuntary. But Hearn thought a talented lucid dreamer could control their own eyes as they slept. So one April morning in 1975, Hearn sat down with someone who claimed they were self-aware while dreaming. In the sleep lab at Hull University, the two agreed on a pattern of eye movements the dreamer would perform if he became lucid. Hearn's eye-tracking device would recognize this pattern because it would be distinct from the random, rapid motions of uncontrolled REM. Once the two were set up, the test subject closed his eyes. Soon, the machine tracking his brainwaves confirmed he'd fallen asleep. Hours passed. In the quiet of the sleep lab, the machine etched out random lines onto an unending scroll of graphing paper. And then, it happened. On the paper monitoring the subject's eye movements, a steady left-to-right line appeared. The movement wasn't random. It was the exact pattern they had agreed on beforehand. For likely the first time in recorded history, someone in a lucid dream communicated with the waking world. From there, research accelerated. Participants in lucid dream studies agreed on a preset pattern of eye movements. Then they signaled to scientists when they awakened within their dream. From there, the test subjects would carry out predetermined tasks. For example, a dreamer would make a series of eye movements to let the researchers know they were about to start singing. The observers could then study activity in the temporal lobe, which is where language, music, and words are processed. In short, lucid dreaming expanded the capabilities of dream research a thousandfold. But it also expanded our understanding of our brains and what they do when we sleep. Recent studies show while our bodies rest, our mind goes into overdrive. 
All night, it's processing everything that happened during our waking hours. Our brains riff on emotionally powerful memories. This doesn't sound too far off from what Saint-Denis proposed. The building blocks of dreams are the real-life experiences of the dreamer. This is important in lucid dreaming, too. Even for the most capable practitioners, much of a dream is completely out of the subject's control. We can't intentionally design every building or person who passes through our mind. There's simply too much detail in the world. The unconscious brain fills these in for us without our realizing. And in experiments on lucid dreaming, scientists found our control is finicky and erratic. For example, powerful lucid dreamers can create a person from thin air, but they can almost never control how that person will act or what they'll say. In the late 1980s, a small team of lucid dreamers conjured a person in their sleep for a research project. Then, the dreamers asked their companion to write something down or to sing a song. The fictional people were pretty agreeable and carried out these tasks with ease. With one major exception, math. When lucid dreamers asked their companions to solve simple equations, the results were unnerving. In some cases, the dream characters started sobbing. Others acted as if the request was extremely offensive or personal. They refused to answer and stormed off in a huff. The same thing happened when the lucid dreamers asked their counterparts whether they knew they were fictional. This question made them angry. That said, you wouldn't like it either if someone accused you of being a fictional construct. Either way, these experiments revealed the secrets hidden in the human mind. Even in a world entirely concocted by the dreamer, one in which they're self-aware and have control, their brain still manages to create unknowns. This also means even lucid dreaming can sometimes transform from a harmless bit of fun into a nightmare with no escape. Saint-Denis had learned this during his dream studies in the 1860s. In one non-lucid nightmare, he found himself fleeing from a group of horrifying monsters. To escape, he had to run through a series of connected rooms with broken doors separating them. Each time he'd tried to pass a threshold, he fumbled with the knob and only got through in the nick of time. He awoke in a sweat, but told himself it was just a dream. Except six weeks later, he went to bed and found himself in the same nightmare. This time, Saint-Denis knew it wasn't real. He hoped this realization meant he could wake up or start dreaming of something else. But instead, the narrative played out exactly the same way it had before. In their book, When Brains Dream, Robert Stickgold and Antonio Zadra share similar tales. In one example, a young girl complained to her dad about a recurring nightmare where a wolf chased her through the woods. Her dad told her the next time she had that dream, she should turn to the wolf and declare it couldn't hurt her because this wasn't real. Incredibly, the young girl remembered his advice the next time she had the bad dream. As the wolf closed in on her, she stopped running, turned around, and looked the wolf right in the eye. 
With all her might, she yelled, You can't hurt me. The wolf smiled and said, Is that so? Then it launched itself at her and ripped her arm off. Researchers might argue both dreamers lacked a certain commitment to the nightly narrative. They knew it was fantasy, but they couldn't stop being afraid. Then their unconscious brains used their fear as ammunition to create something even more horrifying. Nightmares can be an ironic trap. They pack a powerful emotional punch, even if you know they can't really hurt you. It's hard not to succumb to terror, even if you're convinced any minute you'll wake up safe and sound. At least in theory. But some recent studies suggest lucid dreaming could harm you in real life. Coming up, the pitfalls of lucid dreaming. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. With the discovery of REM sleep in the 1950s, dream research finally entered mainstream science. It wasn't too long before curious analysts found ways to communicate with sleeping test subjects. These studies paved the way for conversations about whether lucid dreams could be therapeutic for people dealing with mental health conditions— or if they could actually make those conditions worse. Preliminary studies suggested a correlation between lucid dreaming and depression and OCD. But it's not clear which direction the association goes. Are lucid dreamers prone to these conditions? Or do people with them find it's easier to lucid dream? Additionally, dissociative disorders and other kinds of psychosis may become worse when paired with lucid dreaming. These conditions make it difficult to distinguish between what's real and what's not. People may feel disconnected from their own bodies, like their mind exists outside of their flesh. Likewise, lucid dreams often make you feel like you're watching your own life play out from a third-person vantage point like you're watching a movie about yourself. And for people who disassociate in their waking lives, this can be an unnerving experience. But just as many studies have found positive links between mental health and lucid dreaming, those nightmares Saint-Denis complained about can, with the right tools, become therapeutic exercises. Have you ever written an angry text to someone, gone to bed, then woke up the next day relieved you didn't hit send? Or regretting that you did? That's the sleeping brain at work. 
While we're dozing, our minds play through our memories over and over, each time rendering them a little less vivid and immediate. So by the time you wake up, your fury has faded and you realize that text was a bad idea. Think of it like revisiting your favorite book. On first read, you're enthralled with the plot and entranced by the characters. But with each subsequent reading, the book loses some of its emotional power. The twists don't thrill you because you know they're coming. The deaths aren't as sad anymore. You don't dread the bad outcomes you know will never come. You can still appreciate the writing, but the gut punches land a little more gently each time you thumb through the pages. In real life, this is a necessary process for coming to terms with trauma. When it fails, the memories stay as potent as when we first experienced them. That's when mental health conditions like post-traumatic stress disorder set in. But through lucid dreaming, people with traumatic pasts can confront their emotions head-on in the safe environment of their own dreams. With therapy, people with PTSD can recreate painful memories while they sleep. But then they get to redirect the narrative of these nightmares, writing new, happier endings. It doesn't always work, but it has helped people to reduce their anxiety and PTSD symptoms. But for lucid dreaming to be an effective tool, more people need to learn how to do it. Right now, less than 1% of people are frequent lucid dreamers. But luckily, there's no such thing as a non-lucid dreamer, only people who don't know how to do it yet. Stanford's Dr. Stephen LaBerge developed techniques to help people induce their first lucid dreams. The journey begins in broad daylight. As the sun hits your eyes first thing in the morning, LaBerge recommends you grab your dream journal. Write everything you remember while the memory's fresh. Once every detail is jotted down, you crawl out of bed and make some coffee. While it brews, you check your watch. But don't just look at the time. Note it, then turn away and check again a moment later. See if hours have passed since your first check. Assuming they haven't, you head to work, sit at your desk, and consider how you got there. Do you remember getting into your car, driving and parking, or walking to the metro station and boarding your train, hopping on a bike? If you struggle to remember, this may indicate you're asleep. But to be sure, ask yourself outright if this could be a dream. Answer the question with real consideration and thought. Look around and see if anything strange strikes your eye. Once you've confirmed you're still awake, you realize you need a bathroom break. As you head away from your desk, notice how your feet push against the floor. Then, as you open the door, ask yourself if it was easy to open or if it posed any kind of unexpected challenge. Then, check the mirrors. Do they look normal? Do you look normal? That night after dinner, tell yourself you'll have a lucid dream tonight. Before bed, you can make a small cup of coffee. Not enough to keep you awake, but enough to make you feel alert in a few hours. Then, lay your head on the pillow and close your eyes. The steps you take throughout the day won't automatically trigger a lucid dream, but they will lay an important foundation. 
Recording your dreams is one of the most basic, important tools for becoming lucid. It's no coincidence Saint-Denis' first lucid dream came after 200 days of recording his nightly narratives. As for checking the time, the doorknobs, the mirror, and your memories, these are what LaBerge calls reality checks. Continuity is almost impossible to maintain in a dream where memory lapses and illogical details are the norm. And if you make it a habit to test whether you're awake, those quirks will eventually pop up while you're asleep, too. The coffee is important because people are much more prone to entering a lucid state when they wake up in the middle of the night and then go back to sleep. At some point, you'll be going about your day when you stop and ask yourself if you're dozing. There's one surefire way to answer that question. If there's any significant doubt, it's likely a dream. As soon as you realize this, you might wake up, and that's okay. But if you're able to stay asleep and stay in your dream, then it's time to get to work. Many dreamers hope to jump straight to conjuring castles in the sky. Frequently, they're disappointed to find this is easier said than done. Rather than trying to create something out of thin air, experts suggest reframing the task. Just think hard about what you want to see and then tell yourself you're expecting to see it. If you try to summon your crush in your dream, you'll most likely fail. But if you encounter a door and hope or expect to see them on the other side of it, they just might be waiting beyond the threshold. That first night, you might fall far short of achieving these goals. This is normal. Achieving lucidity isn't the end of the journey, but the beginning. The allure of lucid dreaming lies in an appealing belief. We can assert control over a realm where we usually feel powerless. Who wouldn't want to trade horrifying nightmares for the chance to live in a world of imagination? But lucid dreamers should proceed with caution, because at the end of the day, life is more than but a dream. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on lucid dreaming, we found When Brains Dream by Robert Stickgold and Antonio Zadra and Lucid Dreams by Stephen LaBerge extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Thomas Dolan Gavitt, edited by Amber Hurley and Angela Jorgensen, with fact-checking by Haley Milliken, and research by Bradley Klein. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. Exciting news. ParCast's first book, Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them, is now available for pre-order at ParCast.com slash cults. 
Thanks to your support, we've compiled years of research, insights, and a catalog of case studies to expose more about these cults and the people behind them than ever before. Details which haven't even been explored in our Cults podcast. Visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order your copy of Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them.